86% on the season, five-point lead. Already gave him the player of the game, and he's he keeps proving it. Right. Oh, and look what he did. <laughs> How fitting is that? Georgia Tech has won the ACC championship. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. Yeah, let's talk uh, more tournament. It feels like a NFL week, doesn't it? Just that extra day changes everything. I don't hate it because I'm going to love the fact that we're going to be here on Monday reacting to everything we saw over the weekend. And then we're also going to get more games that night. And then the final, the Sweet 16 is going to be set and we'll be reacting to that on Tuesday. I don't hate the schedule change that we're dealing with, but it, it is uh, it's a long time. It's just it's okay. people's brackets, their survivor picks, their squares. Everything's all set. Let's get going already. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but, you know, I do hope it goes back to normal. I like the Thursday through Sunday. But, you know, like you said, man, we'll be here breaking down games on a Monday. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. So maybe we'll get used to it. I love it for a trip to Vegas because it's right. perfect. Yeah, And then you're done on Sunday. You fly back. And then if you want to, if you're able to go to work you go back to work on a monday so i I think it will go back to the thursday through sunday uh moving forward let's bring in michael beller at m beller on twitter podcast host and producer for the athletic i know he's hyped for the ncaa tournament uh michael uh how many brackets how many pools are you in so far let's see i've got four traditional (laughs) bracket pools two survivors um, in yes. one uh, pick eight, where you pick eight teams and get their seed, you get that many points for every game that Bracket they list. win. And then I'm in, which I, I just absolutely love that. And then I'm in one mm-hmm. where we're picking every single game against the spread through the championship game. So I, I think <laughs> I finally kept myself there, but uh, I'm feeling good and I'm very excited for this to get rolling on Friday. Awesome. Now, Michael, do you have the same problem that I do where you're filling out these brackets? You're picking a couple upsets here and there, a couple matchups that you like, but when you get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the Natty, it's kind of all chalk because it's really hard right now to pick anybody to beat Gonzaga. Even though Baylor struggled coming off the COVID layoff, it's still tough to pick anybody to beat them when they're shooting the ball the way that they're capable of and the way that they defend. Um, Are you having that same issue? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually uh, in that exact same line of thinking, Ryan. You know, I, I just really don't see Gonzaga or Baylor getting stopped before uh, the Final Four, or maybe even before they would potentially play each other in the championship game. And, you know, another thing that is, uh, that's making it even harder for me is that, right, it seems like everyone wants to pick Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and then have some fun in the East region. And we know how this works in the gambling world. Like, I don't want to just be on the exact same boat as everyone in the public. Like, so maybe mm-hmm. I'm thinking, actually, you know, I'll trust Isaiah Livers to get back for the second weekend in Michigan to take care of business this weekend, get livers back and then be the Michigan that they were, that made them a part of that conversation with Gonzaga and Baylor. So I am having uh, some trouble. There are some teams uh, that I like that don't necessarily have a, a one or a two or even a three next to them to potentially make an elite eight run. But uh, that's at least where my brackets sit now, a little bit of tumult in the first couple of rounds, but then a whole lot of chalk from the sweet 16 on. Uh, Michael, I'm glad you led us to some of the group think that is going on right now, whether it started on CBS or ESPN podcast you're listening to, so some of the programs that are breaking this down. You're hearing a lot of Gonzaga versus Illinois for the national championship, and it's a lot of the same double-digit seeds that people are pumping up, and for good reason in most of these cases. There, there's Ohio at Liberty. Here's some people talk about Santa Barbara, Winthrop. Of those, which one um, 
which of those public plays, it appears that they're public plays so far, but which one of those are not going to advance in the first round? Uh, so there are a couple of those that uh, there are actually two that I like. The ones that you mentioned, two that I really don't like. Uh, one that I really, really just don't like is the Liberty over Oklahoma State play. Uh, Oklahoma State's got the number one pick in the draft. Cade Cunningham is about to be a multimillionaire a couple of months from now, and with good reason. And just his feel for the game is just uh, so incredible. This is maybe, I think you can make an argument, the most underseeded team in the field. Uh, I think you could have very easily flipped Oklahoma State and West Virginia would have fit all the bracketing principles, all of that. And we could be talking about Oklahoma State as a three and West Virginia as a four. I think that would have made a little bit more sense. I, I just don't see Liberty being able to keep up with this Oklahoma State team, especially the way that they played over the second half of the season. This is a very different team from February 1st on than they were in December and January. So that's one that I really, I just can't get on board with that. Uh, and the other one that I really am not a big fan of is uh, the UC Santa Barbara over Creighton play. I understand the logic behind it, that UC Santa Barbara plays a style that would lead them to potentially be able to keep up with Creighton and Creighton as good as they can be shooting the ball, aren't really going to bully anyone around, even someone who they are you know, on paper comfortably better than. I just don't see it. I think that Creighton's offense uh, shows up in this game. And if Creighton's offense shows up in this game, then Santa Barbara's going to have to do so in a big way also. So those are two one. Those are two uh, upsets that I'm happy to see are popular because they're pretty easy for me to stay away from. Michael, which upsets do you like? And how much concern, like, for example, everybody loves Ohio. And I love Ohio because I like the team. I like the backcourt. But also because I have concerns with Virginia because of the COVID issues. Uh, same situation with a couple of these different schools, uh, Virginia, Kansas. So how much of a concern is that for you? And also, um, you know, which of these public underdogs are you backing? Which ones do you think are able to make a deep run in this tournament? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on Ohio too. Uh, like I, I've never been so resigned <laughs> to be on a 13 seed, right? Like yeah. usually you're super excited to be on the 13 seed, but I, everything you said there, Ryan, right? I mean, arguably they've got the best player on the floor, Jason Preston. They certainly have like the most dynamic, the most, take over a game player on the floor in Preston. Uh, Virginia plays a style of basketball uh, that makes them susceptible to the upset, right? I mean, if you are the fewer possessions that you're going to have in a game, I think the, the more susceptible you're going to be to an upset. We've seen this play out with Virginia a couple of years ago when they went down to UMBC, and it's a style of basketball that does leave you in some trouble if you're unable to score. And then, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the COVID issues that they're having, it's an easy narrative but it can't be ignored. I mean, there's a real chance that this team is going to show up in Indy on Friday, play this game on Saturday, and never really get any meaningful on-court time together for more than a week from when they had to drop out of the ACC tournament. Like that, that's a real issue. And maybe I wouldn't be so concerned if we were talking about you know Gonzaga having to do this or Baylor having to do this, but you know, Virginia's a good, not great team this year, even when they were playing at their best. I think even if they didn't have that concern and they played all the way through the ACC tournament, that we would be looking at this as an attractive upset because of the issues that Virginia has had this season and because of how good Jason Preston in the Ohio backcourt is. So, uh, you know, I think there are, even though it's become so popular, it's definitely not one I'm shying away from. I really like Ohio here, and I think they would be the team because of Preston that could potentially take on Creighton. I'm not buying the Santa Barbara upset, but if we do get that second-round matchup between Creighton and Ohio, mm. I think Preston could uh, put this team on his back and carry them into the Sweet 16. This is BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, our guest Michael Beller, at M. Beller on Twitter, podcast host and producer for The Athletic. A ton of knowledge on college basketball as well. So uh, a few minutes ago, Michael, you mentioned that yeah, it's not all ones and twos making a deep run for you. Well, 
uh, please share with the class. What other teams are, are you thinking that could make a run to the, let's say, Elite Eight? Yeah, you know, the one that jumps out the most at me uh, is San Diego State. And the reason, the biggest reason, and I don't want to, you know, uh, give them short shrift. They're, they're a good team. Obviously not the team that they were last year when they were going to be a one seed with Malachi Flynn, but still a good team this season. Uh, but I think that bottom half of the Midwest region is pretty wide open. Uh, Houston obviously dominated its schedule this year, but you look at it and there aren't a ton of marquee wins on that schedule. They're at two and one against NCAA tournament teams this season they split with wichita state that was the one loss they took against tournament teams and all you can do is beat the teams that are in front of you right and they beat them and they beat them pretty convincingly they finished the season very strong but i I still see that as a pretty wide open region when you're talking about a bottom part of a region when you're talking about a two seat in houston and a three seat in west virginia i think you can make the argument that that is the weakest two seat and the weakest three seat in the field and so that feels wide open in that area to me. I like what San Diego State's uh, done this season. I like the fact that even though they lost Malachi Flynn and a couple of other big players from last year, they still carried over a large chunk of a roster that, again, was going to be a for sure one seed and a legitimate Final Four contender from a year ago. Brian Dutcher has been playing very, very well. And I think Houston could actually have their hands full in the second round, assuming they meet Rutgers. I think that is a, that's a, a prime 10 over 2 upset should Rutgers get past Clemson Really like uh, Geo Baker being able to be the best player on the floor in that game. And then things just really would open up nicely for San Diego State. So that is something I'm looking at. I'm looking at San Diego State being a six seed in the Midwest and being able to take that all the way into the Elite Eight. Hey, Michael, really quick, uh, moving over to the South, another team that I can't really get a good read on right now is Villanova because of the injury to Colin Gillespie. So, again, a popular pick to go down maybe in the first round or in the second round, especially to get to the Sweet 16. They'd have to get past most likely Purdue, who a team that's a team everybody's sleeping on in the Big Ten. Um, but how important is coaching in this tournament for you? Because still, you give Jay Wright eight days to prepare. No Colin Gillespie, but still one of the better coaches in the nation. And really the same case for like Tom Izzo. I think UCLA matches up really well with Michigan State. But how important is coaching in March to you, like when you make your plays? Uh, consideration here and Jay Wright obviously all the uh, recent experience and recent success he has had in the tournament is something we should be thinking about when they go up against this Winthrop team in the first round still though you have to look at the on-court product right and this is even before the Gillespie injury this was a much different Villanova team than the one that we uh, have gotten to know in recent years when they've been making their deep runs and winning national championships this is a little bit different of a Villanova team didn't quite have the same offensive ceiling that those previous Villanova teams have had. So I think Jay Wright makes this very dangerous. And I think Jay Wright could be a good, uh, he's a good guy in a quick turnaround in the second round, but right. so is Matt Painter. I mean, Matt Painter is maybe one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And, and so I really don't think that Villanova gets through to the sweet 16. Um, yeah. Winthrop is, is another upset that I like. It's one I'm most likely going to be picking, but I think that we're looking at either Winthrop or Purdue in the Sweet 16 there. Uh, Purdue, uh, you know, very underrated team, and they're going to be really, really popular next year. That whole team is coming back very young. Right now, I think they are a high-floor, low-ceiling team. I don't see them getting upset by North Texas. I don't see them necessarily losing to Winthrop or Villanova in the second round. I think they would be just <laughs> almost no chance to beat uh, Baylor in the Sweet 16 should that matchup end up coming to fruition. But I just think this is, without Gillespie, a really tough road for Villanova, no matter how good a coach Jay Wright is. They draw a strong, strong, good offensive team in Winthrop in the first round. And then, like I said, a very high floor, 
team that's not going to beat itself in Purdue in the second round. That's a tough road for a team that's playing without its point guard and best player. With the Athletics, Michael Beller. Michael, what are your final four and national championship predictions? Uh, are you guys ready to be just so bored by hearing all this? Uh, oh, so you're going to be like Dick Vitale and Jay Billis and everybody else, Clark Kellogg, Seth Davis, you're going to fall right in line? Oh, man. Jimmy Gonzaga and Baylor, again, I just don't see either either of those teams being stopped. There's a reason why we put them as a group of two basically – way back when the first AP 25 poll came out and they haven't either of them done anything to fall out of that group of two. So I'm going to go with those two teams coming out of their regions. I'll take Oklahoma state in the Midwest. I really think that this is a special team with a special player. I think that they can get by IO and Illinois in the sweet 16. And if they do, I think that's, that's the elite eight matchup in that region, right? Illinois, Oklahoma state, whoever wins that's going to the final four. I'll throw a little bit of a curveball there. And then I'm going to go Alabama coming out of the East. So uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, Oklahoma State and Alabama. I'll have a little fun at the bottom of the bracket, throwing uh, no one seeds in. But then, as chalky as it gets in the championship matchup, it's been Gonzaga and Baylor all year. It will be Gonzaga and Baylor once again in March and April. And I have watched a ton of Gonzaga this year because they're so fun. And no one beats this team. And even if it's just like an A-minus game, I don't think anyone can touch them. And a B-minus game, they can still beat a lot of good teams in the country. If Gonzaga shows up, Gonzaga wins. I'll take Gonzaga over Baylor, as chalky as that is in the championship game. Dude, that's not that's not boring at all. That uh, please and I, Bama. I with the, you know, everyone, everyone's loving Oklahoma State so much. Like, I, I thought I was getting, yeah. like a couple weeks ago when they were starting to round into form. I thought I was going to be like Mister Cool making the circuit and being like, "Yeah, look at me, Oklahoma State." Now everyone <laughs> loves Oklahoma State. That's uh, how I about Ohio, man. So uh, we've got like thirty seconds left, but I want to get some a little survivor strategy out of you. Are you worried more about points or just survive in advance? Uh, I worry a lot about having teams available. Uh, so yes. I, I'm not like, like I'm day one. I'm looking at Winthrop, you know, as, as a potential yeah. survivor, pick, <laughs> right? Like which so teams are going next. Right away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? like, so yes, I worry way, way more. It's a way different mentality for me than NFL survivor where it really is more surviving advance. No question. Michael Beller, follow him on Twitter at M Beller podcast host and producer for the athletic terrific content every day, all week from Michael Beller. Always appreciate your time. Uh, We'll catch up next week as uh, this tournament continues to progress coming up next. Teddy Greenstein from points bet will drop by. We'll uh, find out where all the college hoops action is going. They have numbers moving at points bet and get his pick on the Honda classic Ostrowski and Horvat. You're locked into the BetQL audio network.